0: Actually, is this. I'm stroking my microphone. I'm just joking. Hey dudes, welcome to the Spin Podcast. I am Reggie and this is episode nine featuring James from the band Lawrence Arabia hailing all the way from New Zealand. This episode is recorded at the Casa Hotel in Manchester, United Kingdom.
1: This is everything, everything. This is Roddy from Idlewell. You're listening to The Spin. And you're listening to Woo! The Spin. Hi, everybody. This is Juan Waters.
0: This is Chassie. We
1: are
0: Napier. And you're listening to The Spin with Reggie. All right. So how do you want to start the story? <laughs> hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to The Spin Podcast. Uh, this is episode nine, and I am your host, Reggie what's up (laughs) i'm sorry i'm a bit rusty it's been a while that i've recorded myself and i have so much content to really like put out there and i just want to apologize for the stall currently life has been a little bit crazy and mad and in between working and traveling and i actually got hitched um a few months ago and which brings me to today's episode recorded in manchester united kingdom with sophisticated Kiwi indie rocker born radio
2: I dreamt of a woman come to me. She was my first infidelity. She was so demanding. I knew it would be good. So I touched most of her body because I knew I could I knew
0: But before we get to the interview, I wanted to help promote our buddies over at Moonblock Party and throw one of the best music festivals in Southern California, Desert Days 2019. And for those of you that aren't familiar with Desert Days, it's actually a -a one-of-a-kind festival experience taking place in the desert area in SoCal in Lake Paris. And this year, it will be the weekend of October 10th through the 13th. The best way to describe attending Desert Days Music Festival is epic yet intimate, and it's like catering to the weirdos, but embracing everyone that wants to come. This is the seventh year of Desert Days, and every year it seems to outdo itself. And this year's lineup has not disappointed. 2019 will showcase legends Wu-Tang Clan, Ween, The Flaming Lips, Devo, Flying Lotus, Lab, The Black Angels, my boy Fred Armisen doing stand-up comedy, Parquet Courts, I mean the list goes on and on and on. So if you don't want to miss out on this year's psychedelic trip to the desert with some of your favorite bands, make sure to get your tickets and get more info at DesertDays.org and I really have to hand it to Moonblock Party. I just feel like they've always wanted to stick to catering to the music fan. And seeing the lineup just expand every year has been really cool to see them grow as a company and a family and friendship group that just built this together. So make sure to get your tickets again at DesertDays.org and I'll see you at the desert. So today's episode was recorded a few months back when I was in Northern England. So let's just kind of rewind back to two months ago in Stoke-on-Trent. I was in the midst of wedding planning madness. And the most logical thing I could do is get me away from everything. (laughs) I just cannot accept that much responsibility. And I just like kind of run away from any huge responsibility that I have to do. So what do I do as any other bride does? I go to the local pub. And I actually end up chatting to this really lovely table of like older British folk, or they like to call themselves in Stoke-on-Trent, dolks. Most of them have actually been married for ages. So I decide to ask them for some marriage advice.
2: I adore him still, Doc, after nearly 40
0: years, so there you go. He's
1: doing everything together, but splitting up and doing up things that you like to do. Like these three ladies go out on a Friday, I go out with my mates, but then we always meet up at the end of the night. When we had children, when the children were young, every other Friday... The women went out one Friday, and the lads stayed in looking after the kids. The following Friday, it swapped over. The lads went out, and the women stayed in. So you got two Fridays out, so you had, had a life other than the family. But you stuck together when the troubles and everything's kicked in. So,
0: With my newly found advice from the docks that I met at the pub, I started thinking about the bigger picture, and started realizing that weddings become almost just as important as the relationship or the actual marriage. So I thought, nah, fuck that. Me and my partner are gonna do something together in the middle of all this craziness and let's just do something that we like. And then I thought, live music and working on creative projects together, that's what I love to do, that's what he loves to do and it's just where we get our happiness from. So I started researching to see if there were any gigs going on around the area. Then to my surprise, an artist I've been following for a while was going to be performing in Manchester. I grab Alex, I pack up the voice recorder, and head on 30 minute drive from Stoke-on-Trent to Manchester. Manchester actually has a really rich and deep history devoted to the indie music scene. It's actually been titled the best live music city in the uk what started off as a city of empty warehouses and old industrial buildings to becoming the hub of the indie music scene within the uk in the 1970s there were so many young creative musicians out there the 70s were a time where someone like the buzzcocks could just walk into virgin Records store with a copy of their ep spiral scratch and managed to to sell it. That's how fresh and up-and-coming Manchester was at the time. But Manchester became known as a birthplace of indie music because of the roster of bands that have at some point called the city its home, like the Hollies, the Stone Roses, Oasis, The Smiths, Joy Division, and New Order. Manchester is also known for being a huge media city home to the BBC. Six music specifically that showcases an assortment of independent artists. Visiting firsthand, I felt of vibrant energy and a city full of unique youths wanting to see live music while i was outside of the castle hotel taking in all the street art and i started noticing there's so many bees included into the street art i just wanted to take it all in and take in all the young people smoking cigarettes outside while waiting for the concert to start to my surprise i met a really lovely redheaded mancunian who started chatting to us about the current music scene in manchester
2: Um, i'm called billy we're at the castle hotel um, it's not actually a hotel, it's a bar, it's a <laughs> pub. It's a classic pub. Um, it's, a good, it's also a gig venue. gigs here most nights, all kinds of vacs, play night. Um, you can hire it out as well, so it's really good for the DIY scene. Oh, nice. And
0: then yeah. you're you're born and
2: raised here? I'm from Oldham, which is just outside Manchester. Oh, um, nice. which, there's not much going on there, but a lot of people from Oldham come to Manchester and stuff so.
0: And what do you think of the music scene in Manchester? Uh,
2: there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of var- variety um, from DOI punk bands to drum and bass to people making stuff in the bedroom like ambient, yeah. um, techno and stuff like that, there's all kinds of stuff. It's, like, it's, a, it's a small pool with lots of fish basically
0: and, and you're in a band yeah. so what's your band's name and um what kind of music is it like what genre do you put it under
2: We're called Springfield elementary and yeah. reference to it's <laughs> a, it's a it's a Simpsons reference, yeah. but we're not a Simpsons band we're not like oakley dokiley where we're <laughs> okay. dressed like N- Ned Flanders or anything but we're a punk punky psychedelic band awesome. we're very we're very um we've got our own sound anyway which uh-huh. you'd have to come. To listen to us to uh, understand it, I guess. Um, (laughs) Are you signed to a label? No, we're completely on our own at the minute. But We've got a new single coming out, um, which we recorded in Salford, which is just around the corner. So we recorded it at the top of this pub called The King's Arms. And it's really good. Uh, Well, it's a lot, I mean, in terms of like quality, because our first stuff was very slapdash very rough round the edges lo-fi sort uh, of recordings and
0: punk usually tends yeah, to be yeah but this is
2: sort of more refined around the edges and um but still with that lo-fi quality to it
0: so what are some like music venues that you would suggest in manchester
2: if you've never been here before,
0: this is literally other than me flying into the Manchester oh, airport the first time I've hung out in Manchester. Oh, you're,
2: at a, you're at a good one now. The castle is very good, okay, um, okay. and you'll notice when you go in how old it is as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you'll see the um, the roof goes in a bit, and it's really cool. Yeah, I love it. Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you um, it? yeah, we've played it before. We did we did a gig on Halloween. We did a Halloween gig oh. with another Manchester band called Slow Knife, oh. and they're really good. You should check them out. Okay. okay. Um, the Pear Hat's good as well, that's around the corner. They do gigs there like, most evenings, okay. and that's also quite cheap to hire out. Yeah. You've got, um, oh, for like bigger bands and stuff, you've got Albert Hall, which oh. is around the corner, and that used to be like a Methodist church. So you've still got the church organs in the background, and you could oh, fit beautiful. about 2,000 people in there. So it's really good. Stunning, um, yeah. I've seen Goat there. I've seen Goat
0: oh, play Oh, Goat, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I saw Goat play there. Yeah, yeah. I've seen um, Unknown Mortal Orchestra there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Another yeah. Kiwi, Kiwi, band. Kiwi band! Yeah, yeah Kiwi all the, Kiwi, bands, the Kiwis yeah. are taking over. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. you got a lot of venues. So loads of little venues.
0: So, I've been seeing bees kind of graffitied everywhere and on walls. What does the bee mean in Manchester? So
2: it symbolises the worker bee. In the industrial revolution, Manchester was called co- cotton pollicis. Cotton mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, i probably got that wrong somewhere uh, anyway um, so it just represents a worker bee because there was so many like workers here like it was probably in, in the Victorian times you'd see clouds of smoke everywhere but people in these houses clogged up into like 20 per room and stuff and like yeah it was like a proper worker city um, and then you'd see it like put everywhere and then you would I didn't really hear much about it until like the, the bomb that went off at Ariana Grande. Uh,
0: oh, that's um, right, again. that happened yeah. here, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And then when that happened, it yeah. sort of became more prominent and stuff because mm-hmm. like people be- become more proud about the um, heritage of Manchester and yeah, the, um, yeah. the sort of coming together like in a honeycomb sort yeah. of like sense, yeah. That's and then cool. people, which is good because I like to see people um, be in more touched with the, the roots of Manchester and stuff.
0: Yeah. So all right. Well thank you so much, Billy. <laughs> so Billy's band Springfield Elementary has recently been featured on BBC Music's Introducing with their latest single, Machine Fiend. So after talking to her new bud Billy, We go inside the Castle Hotel to meet up James from Lawrence Arabia. I was introduced to Lawrence Arabia back in 2015, but he's been putting out music as Lawrence Arabia since 2008. He was born in Christchurch, New Zealand and a former band member to bands The Brunettes and The Ruby Sons. I've had a deep appreciation for the amount of work and detail that goes into Lawrence Arabia's songs, music videos, and artwork. With four beautiful seamless albums under his belt, he's left a long-lasting fan base in New Zealand and in Australia because of his beautifully composed indie pop music. He also is a podcaster with his psychedelic comedy podcast called The Mysterious Secrets of Uncle Bertie's Botanarium," starring fellow music kiwi from Flight of the Concord's Jemaine Clement, who appeared on Lawrence Arabia's recent music video, Everybody Wants Something. So here we are in the green room of the Casa Hotel talking about Lawrence Arabia's beautifully created latest album.
1: Yeah, it's like I, I always refer to it as Lawrence Arabia's Singles Club.
0: Yeah, okay. And how's it going? How are you feeling? In considering that you played to, like, a different audience every single night?
1: We're pretty tired, I think, would be <laughs> a pretty simple description of how I feel at the moment. But um, I'm l- really enjoying the tour. Like I've, I've, it's, been a, it's been a real struggle booking it, and I've had to rebuild a lot of things with my career in the last few years. And I've had to send a lot of emails to get this happening. And so for, and I've, I've got two young kids and for me this tour has just been like every night, even if it's, you know, there was one not so great show in Liege because there weren't many people there. But even that night I was like, I was telling myself this is a really good experience. Yeah. And so I've, I've been really forcing myself, even in situations where normally I might be a little bit negative, yeah. I've been really forcing myself to just, just em- embrace the moment.
0: I think you need that positivity to kind of like expand your energy considering that you are jet-lagged. You are working every day and working a stage every day. So telling yourself it's going to be okay. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely, I mean, there's a lot of, I'm, I'm you know, I'm doing a lot of sort of self-actualization, um, internal mantra stuff, you know, <laughs> mindfulness exercises. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I'm just aware of being fortunate. And I'm checking my privilege, you know, even when there's only eight people in the crowd in Liege. I'm still like, this is good. I'm in Europe. I'm traveling with my friends. I'm getting a little bit drunk every night.
0: (laughs) The ultimate uh, dad dream, I think, right?
1: Yeah, 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 (laughs) totally.
0: I almost think that Europe is like the perfect demographic for your music. Uh, I just think your music's kind of classical and timeless, and it also has like this really sharp and woody lyrics, and it also appeals to like the indie alt crowd, which I find fascinating that you could cross all those marks. How do you think the crowd in Europe and the UK respond to your music?
1: I think that, I mean, I noticed uh, a real jump in kind of a di- or different kind of reception in in the UK just in terms of the amount of comprehension of the lyrics because um, a big part of what I do is lyrics um, I mean the, the whole thing is I think it's got every element that make good songs but um, but it is it's a extra level of excitement when I can say a joke and it, and it gets a laugh in the middle of a song um, so, yeah, but I mean, I, I think people have enjoyed it um, and I don't know, I mean, I, I'm not like evaluating the audiences on their, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to have a really good time.
0: I feel like there's so much instrumentation in the recording process of a lot of your albums and Singles Club just like blew it out of the water, I think. Just hearing it, there's so many details and it's really fascinating to hear every song because it is completely different from one another. Do you have any former experience with like classical music or orchestra or
1: Not really. I um I've just sort of muddled my way through um learning things. But I I I think the closest I got to that was being in choirs at school. Um and I studied piano for a few years but never really got anywhere. Um so i learned to read music a little bit but i've n- I, n- I never had any application and uh, and i think in general my approach as a as a child or as a teenager was just do the minimum work possible so i mean I found that I, I just loved music and I, and I just I think I just absorbed it, but I never studied it properly. Um, you know and the closest uh, you know I think the, the biggest influence uh, in a lot of ways was l- singing in a choir and learning how to harmonize and, and, and learning the, w- the way that arrangements worked, vocal arrangements. and it, I do identify that as a big part of what I do now.
0: Did your parents kind of force you know, like you have to join choir? were you very interested from the beginning?
1: i think i mean i went to these kind of you know private uh anglican schools in Christchurch, new zealand and it wasn't very uh it was old-fashioned and so i mean i really like music and my parents weren't religious or sort of pious or uptight they um just they just listened to dire straits and the beatles Mm -hmm. and stuff at home so i just like pop music but really and i just like singing and then basically being in the chapel choir singing anglican anthems mm-hmm. was the only way to there was the only the, the only outlet really so yeah i mean i think if there'd been a rock band at my primary school i would have gone into that but there was the choir was the way to to make music yeah. um, so i just ended up doing that
0: and when did instruments come along uh,
1: i started playing piano when i was about 10 and then i i think when i was about 13 i picked up my dad's guitar he, he had always had a guitar in the house and mm-hmm. just started trying to learn some chords and, and just taught myself some chords and Aww, nice. yeah and then I think when I was about 16 or something I started writing songs mm. quite bad ones
0: <laughs> I'd love to hear one if you, if you one comes to mind. <laughs> no <laughs> So I heard that you got to work with Van Dyke Parks, and how was it working with him, and finally getting the process to like actually work with him?
1: uh oh it was really exciting. Yeah, I mean, I it was just it, we haven't met yet to hopefully meet him in one day, but mm-hmm. um, we just uh, yeah we're exchanging emails, and you know he's like a genius mm-hmm. person, and he writes the most sort of crazy emails, very um, full of wordplay and and really. Um, i'm so inarticulate at the moment to describe how articulate he is in his in the way he writes so i would you know having to really compose my emails really thoughtfully (laughs) and be really witty um he was very matter of fact about wanting to you know he's just very upfront about you know i will you know i'll send me a song i'll tell you how much it will cost if i want to do it and and then he he did he did want to do it and he told me how much it cost and then I had to do, and then I had to do a kickstarter yeah <laughs> yeah um, but yeah it was just one of those things as soon as I had sent that first email it was not going to stop from that point because I had to I couldn't not do it mm-hmm. at that point as soon as he said yes I was, well I'm not gonna you know you know he's a yeah he's a hero of mine he's obviously worked with a lot of people who I really love and I love his work too and yeah so I mean, he just he arranged one song okay. on on the record, the last song, which is called "Just Sleep, Your Shame Will yeah. Keep." I um, mean, he was going to do it for strings, mm-hmm. um, and they ended up doing a woodwind section as well. Mm-hmm. So it ended up being a, maybe a twelve-piece orchest- orchestral arrangement for the wow. song. So um, yeah.
0: And you've also had a lot of your talented friends join in on some of the, the songs on Singles Club. Who were these lovely friends of yours and what tracks did you guys get to work on together?
1: The first person I invited in was Holly Fulbrook from Tiny Ruins Mm -hmm. and she sang on the song Everything's Minimal Um, I'm just trying to think through the songs. I had some, you know I've got some friends who've played with me on various live things with string players that there's probably slightly too many to mention, but uh, (laughs) um, and there was um, Liam Finn played drums on a little hate and my friend heather mansfield who i used to sing she used to sing in the brunettes which was the band that i was touring with in the like early 2000s um yeah and who else yeah. who else ryan ryan mcfun who's in the ruby suns and he's here oh. playing drums for me tonight he played drums on everybody wants something while he was back uh who else who else is there a lot of friends yeah i mean i've got yeah yeah i mean the thing is it was a very solitary process most of it um it was quite a bedroom type i mean i've got a little studio in auckland but it's basically a you know it's an office but it's sort of like a bedroom style recording really um so occasionally i just need to either just to make myself feel sane and uh, i'd get friends in to come and do things Um,
0: i do love the kind of um dynamic with that i feel like new zealand has that and australia has that but just like come come over it's just play some music and then it ends up being something incredible like your album so i think kiwis do it really nicely where you guys can get together and just create something
1: yeah i mean it is a it is a collaborative place um uh i i definitely i, I used to live here and we're well not in manchester but in in london and i i just the that extra kind of cutthroat uh careerist yeah. element i found um a little uninspiring um i mean i love the place and i love living there but i found it stifling just the the i guess just the level of ambition and the way it affects people's creativity and i think people in new zealand are a little less um concerned about career over just the actual you know the element of just having fun and making music with your friends and trying to make something cool Um, that's the thing that comes first for for a lot of people and Mm. yeah
0: yeah I could kind of relate to that too coming from a massive city like Los Angeles I feel like even just getting together with someone it's like you have to call them two weeks beforehand and even even in their windows like from like 4pm to 6pm because they have to get to their other job and it is a bit soul sucking for um, the creative part of you you know just because there's no there's only an ambition for a career and that's why maybe auckland is great for that and i think that's why i don't know maybe like northern england would be nice for that too and australia and melbourne it was the same kind of deal it was just creative over career
1: yeah yeah, i don't think you have that sense um that you maybe sometimes do in la that um this conversation is no use because you're of no use to me yeah. because you have nothing to offer my career yeah, yeah. which sometimes I f- uh, maybe in a paranoid moment I feel <laughs> 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 but yeah it's a, a less likely to feel that uh, in Auckland I think
0: yeah I've always been curious whether or not it's hard to work with other musicians that have really strong opinions about music like collaborating on something has that ever been like a problem for you or are you that friend that has a really strong opinion <laughs>
1: I mean I'd like to think I'm quite easy to work with. I mean I think everyone just respects um if it's your project you'll have the the veto on the decision making process but um you know uh, every rela- every time you engage with someone like that you've kind of got to negotiate that rules of engagement I guess but um yeah I mean I don't know. I mean maybe that's the reason why I don't collaborate with people as much as I should and because mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's less tense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: um, and I know the music industry in New Zealand is very like close-knit. Uh, you actually just released a music video that I just saw today and it's for Everybody Wants Something and it was uh, Jemaine Clement and he starred in Flight of the Concords and is now like a massive movie star. How is it to have him on your video and are you guys like buds or how did that relationship get formed?
1: Um, it got formed, I guess. He's a big music fan. Like he's a, he just he really likes music. Mm-hmm. And when we were touring in 2010, they asked us to play with them at Wembley oh. Arena. So we did, yeah, we did two shows with Flight of the Concords at Wembley Arena, oh, and that was crazy. the first time I met him. Um, and then we ended up working together on the a podcast called The Mysterious Secrets of Ankh. Oh, David. I've heard it. Yeah. Heard yeah. It a yeah. Um, and yeah, we became friends, and um, and then I just asked him to be in this video. And it, obviously, he's like, he's I, I, I mean, he was producing uh, the What We Do in the Shadows TV series, and he's been doing another What We Do in the Shadows spin-off show in New Zealand. Wow, busy guy. Um, and I think he was acting in Legion as well, or something. But he's yeah, it was it took months and months for him to be you know, I was like, well, maybe May would be all right. And so eventually, we got to May, and we we got to do it, and yeah. it was it was. Um, it was pretty fun, yeah.
0: <laughs> Any suggestions that you have with Kiwi bands we should keep our ears open for that's kicking ass in New Zealand?
1: Oh, there's a band. Um, I mean, I, I've i got two young children and I'm not very good at going out at the moment. <laughs> but I there was a band that played with us in uh, Auckland called Hans Puckett. Huh. And there are two twin brothers and another guy. And they quite nerdy and but i think they wouldn't be offended that i said that they've got a maybe a a shtick almost but but they're um very a very potent live act (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i i think they're um they'll go far yeah but i i'm woefully out of touch really i mean i i I see names around and and think i should check them out but um I don't do a very good job of it. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: no, it's okay. That's one new band that I could possibly interview in the future. You never know. Um, and Kiwis are famous for your guys' sense of humor. I think it's such a dry but, like, really charming and kind of sarcastic and ironic, like, films, music, art. Uh, do you think it forms in your music and music videos?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard for... I mean it's hard for me to do anything that isn't funny Um, that doesn't contain a joke somehow Um, like I would feel very uncomfortable delivering a very sincere sentiment that didn't wasn't somehow underpinned with a joke and I don't know why that is but it is something in the national character that you need to skewer it's very suspicious of sincerity Um, (laughs) and certainly among my friends you know any band that um, is trying too hard or delivering a really uh, anthemic music that has no comic element to yeah. is just it's an object of ridicule yeah, yeah. um and i i think that's you know like it's it's totally normal for a i think a you know abandon uh, la say to just be like we' just make we kind of like sound like the Killers or something or whatever you know or Imagine Dragons yeah. and we make emotional uh, rock music and there's no and it's all about uh, you know wanting to fall in love with someone. Yeah. There's no jokes. It's just it's full on. We're gonna We're gonna we're gonna we want we want to sell out stadiums.
0: Yeah.
1: That that kind of ambition and that is is very suspect in New Zealand.
0: Yeah. Sussy, huh?
1: Yeah. So we yeah I don't know I don't know but it's definitely coming you know like the Flying Nun. I think it's, you know, I think maybe it's a, that kind of mindset's a, evaporating a little bit. Um, you know, there's been some successful musicians from New Zealand that aren't particularly f- funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I, I think, you know, it comes from the, the Flying Nun generation of, of musicians. It, it was a really, you know, a very strong suspicion of, of careerism and a, and, and a really strong sense of self-deprecation
0: I think that gives character to the lyrics and performance and videos like you're not taking yourself so serious that you think you're up here you're like self-deprecating like you said um but yeah it's it's been I enjoy watching your music videos because of that and um what was the journey with this album I know it was a completely different journey to other albums
1: it was really different I mean Yeah, it was it was a totally unique experience. And and, in a lot of ways, it was it was it was kind of stressful. But there was the thing that was taken out of it was the doubt. And you know, when I made, I remember when I made chant Darling, that was a particularly fraught experience that took a a long time um, to make that record. Uh, I mean, it turned around, I think got it out in about three years after the previous one. But for me, at the time, in my mid 20s, that seemed like an absolute eternity. And, and I was used to being really quick and, and producing stuff really quickly, and, and then I found it incredibly difficult, and I was living in London, and mm. um, I don't know, going through all sorts of strange um, questions in my life. <laughs> but um, yeah.
0: As you do at that age.
1: Yeah, but I mean, yeah, so, but this one was, you know, took a year to make.
2: Mm.
1: I mean, it was a 12-month process, but you know, the the doubt that I had about you know whether it was wor- was it any good. Um, I because I had to release a song every month. I never got to the point where I was experiencing that kind of doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, it was a lot. M- it was a lot more of a sane experience. It didn't didn't necessitate the kind of major uh, angst mm-hmm. that some of my previous recording, especially Chant Darling, um, mm-hmm. involved. Because it just was just, you know, ultimately my moments of doubt, I just had to throw them aside and and and, and just go for it. yeah. Because it, I would have been, you know, well yeah. I just wouldn't have d- done what I had promised I was going to do to the people that paid the money. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, how flattering was it to know that there's so many fans backing you because they wanted to see this album happen?
1: It was really cool. Because it was, a, it's in you know, especially, you know, like light of what we're talking about with the New Zealand psyche, I think, Putting yourself out in a situation where you're asking for money and in advance of something you do, it feels very foreign, um, and it made me feel very nervous. Yeah, yeah. But on the first, I can't remember. I think it was about eight thousand dollars or something on the first day, and it was very elating. And <laughs> just because it was just like, oh, thank goodness, you know, I'm not being laughed out of town. Yeah. So yeah, no, it was it was it was really nice, and it's you know established a few well a lot more communications with people that i can now identify as being loyal supporters of my music which is mm-hmm. this is really nice because you don't get you don't get that much you know you get a lot of feedback or in general social media but mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily give you a sense of what it means to people you know it's been nice to see people actually value it in that way mm-hmm. with their with cold hard cash <laughs>
0: that's what makes it cold hard cash no but um also I, I do like the way that you went about it by releasing every song as a single because it's like looking forward to the next song and the next song and the next song How, how did you come up with that or how is it that that idea came about
1: um I mean I, th- I had that sort of I had a vague thought about that for quite some time like w- needing to release something regularly mm-hmm. but um but yeah, I, I don't know, it just it just seemed like a manageable... I, at one point, I, a couple of years before, I thought, oh, I'm going to release a, an EP every month. <laughs> <laughs> but it just, you know, eventually a, a single seemed like a manageable amount. So <laughs> just what I did. But, and also just like, you know, because people process music in singles these days a lot, and, mm-hmm. and the way people... You know, seem to get successes basically just by having one successful song or a couple of successful songs on Spotify playlists. Yeah, <laughs> it seemed to be uh, at least give it 12 shots at that.
0: You know, <laughs> give it 12 shots. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I
1: don't know. Like, it's a little maybe it's a little unromantic, but um, you know, the the album is a you know the as the thing that delivers your message is kind of defunct. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just getting a bit sick of you know all that work and you put so much effort in and. You know i mean people like it but it does when you've worked so hard on something for it to sort of feel like it disappears really quickly is a little deflating Mm -hmm. it just felt sensible and and more fun to do it that way
0: yeah i was kind of intrigued with your artwork too i'm not sure who does your art for the album but i did like that you guys had a different item how did that come about as well who does your art and who thought with the idea
1: um My girlfriend, Mm Anne, does the art, and she's done most of my art, well, all of my art. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we just came up with the concept together. Mm And so each of the items on the single covers represents, I guess, the theme or an object that relates to the lyrics of each song. Mm-hmm. and then you know compiled we worked with a photographer who I've worked with a lot called Amelia Hanscom and we did the photo shoot which mm-hmm. incorporated you know, I went to a, a prop shop and hired a lot of the items or f- found a lot of the items that were on those single covers and then we put them in a photo
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah I mean it was it was interesting yeah. yeah
0: and um I do like though with the album that it's not just like an album. In my head, I thought singles, they were gonna be completely different from one another, but they somehow flowed so well with one another. How important was that for you?
1: I mean, I, it wasn't important and I kind of wanted to, I d- wasn't trying to care about that, but then gradually as the year went on, I was sort of started to think about it as a a journey mm-hmm. or, or something. And and that because it was quite hard picking, each you know where I'd start at the beginning of each month I'd often um, just find myself going well if I was listening to this album you know and I just heard that last song then what mood would I want where would I want to go with the mood from here and so I started kind of developing that flow of the record through the year because I I was basically deciding on making another song um based on what the previous song sounded like and how that would flow in the record. So yeah, I think it did end up flowing quite well considering the way it was made.
0: I think it flows so well together and I think that it's effortless, you know, and that's what makes it really beautiful. And with that being said, I think it's really exciting to see an artist like you because you just put so much work into every individual song and it comes out to be this magical album okay so after the tour is over after the europe tour is over what do you think will come from lawrence arabia are you thinking of making a new album or touring again or
1: uh i'm not thinking about anything
0: (laughs) you just want to go home
1: no i don't i don't well i do want to go and see my children but um yeah i don't know i don't know i'm thinking about touring again it's quite fun the states i'd like to
0: it's
1: a little <laughs> complex i need to i don't have a booking agent at the moment there yeah. and, I, and i need to, to get a visa and in order to get a visa i need to get a booking another agent.
0: another kickstarter let's do it <laughs> yeah Lawrence arabia Thank. thank you <laughs>
1: you're very welcome <laughs> yeah
0: A huge thank you to James for taking the time and hanging out with us it was an absolute pleasure to get to know him and see him just kick ass on stage make sure to check out his newest album Lawrence Arabia's singles club wherever you get your music but also do yourself a favor and just listen to his previous albums because they've all been so different from one another but it's a true treat just to be able to hang out and listen to his music and if you want to keep up with what he's up to and where he's touring head on over to Lawrence Arabia Com. That's where all his info's at, his biography, a little bit of everything. So thanks so much, James, again. And I'm also sending a huge hug to our newly found friend, Billy, from Springfield Elementary. Make sure to listen to their recent single, Machine Fiend, on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Again, that's Springfield Elementary, and they're on socials as well, Instagram and Facebook. And we have some big news. We're finally on Spotify Podcasts. So make sure to follow us so you could kind of keep up with what episodes are coming out. And all our backlog of previous episodes are on there as well. So make sure to follow us under The Spin Podcast. And just make sure to share us with your buddies. Any friends that you think this would be a good podcast to send over, feel free and let them know that they're welcome to listen to us. And we love new listeners. And we're always constantly checking our socials. So we're on Facebook and Instagram under The Spin Podcast. And yeah, let's become cyber buddies, I guess. and keeping up where the hell I'm at because most of the time I don't know where I'm going. But um, if you have any music to suggest or any bands that we should have on the show, feel free to DM us or you could email us at thespinwithreggie at gmail.com. Again, that's thespinwithreggie, R-E-G-G-Y at gmail.com and send us over some music to listen to or if there's a specific band or if you're in a band. And we've also put up a video of Lawrence Arabia's interview on YouTube we actually have a youtube now so find us subscribe to us like the shit out of the video and a big thank you to you guys for listening people that truly connect to this podcast if i'm turning you on to a new artist or some new music for me that's what the most important part about this podcast is is just being able to share different artists that deserve recognition from all over the world so i'll leave you guys with lawrence arabia's everybody wants something so everybody I'll see you when I see ya. Everybody. Bye. 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 Okay. Bye. Everybody,
2: everybody wants something. Everybody, everybody wants something everybody Everybody, everybody wants something, everybody, everybody wants something, everybody. Everybody, everybody wants something. something everybody everybody wants something everybody everybody everybody, everybody wants something everybody everybody
0: Sorry to my mother-in-law in Northern England that listens in every episode and has to hear me curse. Sorry, Mom.